Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. Money back as a free bet if you're losing first goal score gets a goal. See paddypower.com for terms. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both players have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a f***ing shit shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f***ing asses for f***ing years. So we're coming out on Wednesday this week, lads. Conan and Connor are here with me. Um, because we're in Tireless tomorrow night for a live show. We're in Hayes' Hotel. Where it all began, lads. Where it all began. Not that the two of you really care. Are you talking so. about hurling on the same <laughs> Any football fans from Tipperary, you can go along. It's a bit of crack. <laughs> There's a great lineup. Um, check the Twitter account for the full lineup. But listen, more important things, lads. My campaign to ban the hand pass is gathering momentum here. <laughs> like, this has really touched a nerve of football fans right throughout the country. They hate it just as much as I do. It's 90% agreement with me, which people find really hard to do. (laughs) The amount of people have to qualify by saying, oh, for God's sake, for the first time, I actually agree with you. (laughs) Like, I don't know what to make of that. There's a lot of people say it. Like, I didn't... Okay, but anyways, I'm not going to get into that. But it's true. And if it was banned, we'd see more goal chances. Now, there's obviously the case where you're running in along the sideline, there's no goal chance on. And in that scenario, a fist pass is, a, is probably the, is a good option to take. Now, my argument for that is a lot of them are thrown over. Uh, definitely the ones from a tight angle. It's easier just to go with kind of two hands and get it over and it's very rarely pulled. I think the game can, can do without this. It can do without this hand pass point. I don't see what value there is. There used to be a hand pass goal. They got rid of that because it was an eyesore, let's be honest. What surprised me is that a lot of people are coming back trying to include the palmed goal, where it's hand-passed across and it's palmed down. Lots of replies to me. I have no problem with that at all. I wouldn't have the same issue with that. Like, there's still a bit of a setup in that. That could be... attack a move. A good attack a move and you throw it across and just knock it down. What are you meant to do? Catch it and kick it and then you're over the line. (laughs) Like, there's no other option in a lot of those cases. And even... 
um, oh the goal Luke Connolly for Cork like he still had to palm that over mm, the goalie yeah. there's a skill involved in that the only thing about that is did, I don't know do you notice but I find a lot of people nearly I catch the ball it, and yeah, then throw yeah. it well, that's true and, and it's, that's ne- a foul. it's never pulled up yeah. and if that was done out the pitch it absolutely would, would be pulled yeah. up yeah. Um, I agree with you I think the only semi-acceptable time to pass the ball over the bar at the moment is when you're running in on the end line but Coming I think at an angle but I don't think I don't think it would lose I don't think the game would lose a lot no. that was banned and plus like you know nobody knows you can't fist pass the ball into the goal anymore so nobody tries it so if it was brought in nobody's going to try and and do that hand pass and it'll be a reward for good defending as well if you're defending and you show that guy the line and you can just you know that, that, that it'd be an option for defenders rather than letting yeah. them cut inside so uh, I, I, I don't know I think so this could be this could be your legacy now will you? the, the <laughs> oh, woolly mark didn't hang on, yeah, the, yeah, offensive mark, the offensive mark will be <laughs> no, in next not, year yeah, true, and true. wait a minute one of my championship restructures are, is the CPA's championship one of the CPA's championship restructures they didn't just they didn't just credit me and they're in on the new uh, review this year. So I'm still holding out for my, res- my restructure to get in the mix here. I don't, I don't want the uh, shit on a rule change again, but I do have to say I was getting a lot of grief and training on Monday night because I wouldn't be a stranger to a hand pass point. And boys are like, did you have some nerves sitting there quiet listening <laughs> listen to those boys? Well, I, I did it a few times yeah, myself. Yeah. Now, I don't think there was a, necessarily a goal on and I was terrible for scoring goals. So you have to put context in a lot of the lads doing this. <laughs> yeah. But I still think if I'm straight through on goals in a final... You have to go for goal there. I don't. I know I wouldn't hand pass it over in that situation. What about in Donegal's case where they got three in the second half and then as it turned out they might have been important because the Cavan goal brought it back to four points and then Declan ah, yeah. Bonner but like the three kept the scoreboard taking over. There was one, there was three people over the other side. It yeah. was a straight hand pass across. Like, I thought I mean, they nearly felt sorry for Cavan. That, that's, yeah, <laughs> and, no and goals. And you're saying, Conan, if the three goals were missed, yeah. so if one of them were scored, it covers the other two. But I always think of the worst You do, you're a <laughs> another uh, pessimist. Billy Sheehan texts me the other night, says, what are you talking about with this stuff? Like, he loved the hand pass point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he lived off and he said, I scored three hand pass points last weekend. <laughs> so listen, there's a lot of people protective about this hand pass point. I genuinely think, without making a, a big deal out of it, it, it's, it does nothing for the game. I, uh, it, I don't see what it does for the game. And if we're losing goals because lads are, are tapping it over the bar, I think that's uh, definitely... Uh, a, a bad thing Michael Meehan from Galway who knew a thing or two of scoring goals he thinks four points he replied back to me says four points for a goal would be enough to encourage more more attempts from the examples you mentioned it was crazy stuff so he's in agreement it was a bit crazy last weekend um, four points for a goal I'd, I would have no problem with that I would have no problem with that like I mean it's, it, if that would geez, you'd imagine Dublin's final scoreline in Leinster finals then would be 10-10 <laughs> <laughs> you could really run a muck on it but what would you think four points for a goal I can't really I don't think there'd be too much a big deal about yeah, it yeah like because rugby did it for the tries up one point to, yeah, to yeah, encourage yeah, more yeah, yeah. when yeah. you suggested it originally I was thinking well boys will just clip it over anyway with their feet because it's not the skill it's the idea of just keeping the scoreboard going but um yeah, but it was four points and obviously there's a bigger award so you might go for it and put the game beyond doubt in that sense. Yeah, no, exactly. Right, we have to talk about Marty's special report. We didn't have time for it on Monday. We had just too much to get through. And, ah, look, it was very disappointing, wasn't it? Like, I mean, Mar- yeah. Marty managed to get all these big players in this game. Like, we had Tom Ryan here on the show, but, like, I, I've tried to get John Horan on this year, couldn't get him on. I've tried to get John Costello on the show before, couldn't get him on. Um, I wouldn't really ask Mick Reynolds, but he had them all together for, like, a uh, at the same time or in the same show. 
and didn't get anything really out of it, did it? Kind of like the problem with Marty is he just he he lets them do their PR job and doesn't mm. question them, or maybe he hasn't researched it enough to question him. But there was some parts of this just just wasn't good enough. He does the PR job for them, yeah. He? Sometimes, like yeah. it actually is. It's a worse skill. Sometimes I'm guilty of it myself. You you answer the question that you're asking somebody, and then he's sort of giving them a very soft out before they can even soft think out, about yeah. what he's yeah. Well, well the, the obvious one that was doing the rounds on Twitter, he said to John Costello, "Do you get annoyed when there's?" criticism of how much money Dublin get is it begrudgery is your reaction to say it well lads you get your house in order we've done it yes that was was his question to John Costello I I keep saying I've no problem with John Costello John Costello's priority is Dublin Mm -hmm. like John Costello can come on and he can completely fight for Dublin's corner he can tell a lie or two or deflect or whatever that's fine with me. I respect John Costello in a way for fighting his corner for his county. His problem isn't the rest of the counties mm, in Leinster. Yeah. His problem is participation, it's facilities, and it's the Dublin team winning. Why would you have a problem with John Costello? My problem was with Tom Ryan and John Horan. Because mm, mm. John Horan used to be a, 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 a dub. He was over their minor teams. I was listening on Morning Ireland the other day. And then he's Leinster Council chairman. Immediately you have to go neutral. And immediately as... as, as uh, as GA president, you have to be neutral. And he's saying, in my time of chairman of Leinster, we introduced the Leinster project, which created a model within the province similar to what is in Dublin. If clubs contributed to a portion of the employment of a coach, they would have a coach supplied to them. This has gone some way to redressing the imbalance that is seen to be there. Like, and again, he says that is seen to be there. Not just saying that is yeah, there. Yeah, like, he won't that, even that was, say that. Yeah. So, like, I mean, that's a terrible thing. This East Leinster project, which I find hilarious. So, the GEA invested 1.5 million uh, over three years um, to four counties. Loud, Kildare, Mead and Wicklow. Again, why those four? Mm. This isn't an easy fix. I'd be taking the 1.2 million off Dublin and I'd be giving it to the other counties. Bang. Dublin can sustain themselves. That's a fact. And if th- th- they'll have to make cutbacks in other areas and struggle like other county boards. Right now, they're flush. Mm. They can do what they want. But 1.5 million uh, for initial three years of coaching, it's, that's 500 million a year. And that's split between four counties. Now, these four counties are so far behind Dublin. Like, they actually need double, treble what Dublin are getting per player or per club to actually bridge the gap. Sure, that's nowhere near that. And this is the argument they keep bringing up, this East Leinster project. Like, this is the big fix. It's for four counties, it's minuscule. And for the other counties to catch up to Dublin, they need to take Dublin's and they need to tell Dublin, with your commercial revenue, make some cutbacks on all your teams and use that for your game's development. It's very obvious to me what they need to do because the other counties need so much help to bridge this gap that that's, that's a token gesture to them. Well, everything about the report kind of screamed token gesture to me, and it, like it's, I think editing probably the, the the whole RT report to me was a bit odd. Like the, I thought the timing was a bit odd. I thought the time of it was a bit odd. I think it was what seven minutes long, um, and like there was, I couldn't kind of get away from a kind of patronising tone. Like as you said, Tom Ryan was never challenged. There was a couple of things no. he said that were pro- probably actually not true. I think he said that. Uh, the, the strategic report didn't recommend splitting Dublin in two, whereas it did. No, well, um, well yeah, I don't think that he said that it didn't split them in two. I, what he said, in all honesty, the, rep- the authors of the report at the time wouldn't have envisaged that there would be such a period of preeminence at senior football level, particularly in Dublin. 
So he's like saying there's no way anyone could have predicted that. Whereas they were recommending... They were recommending splitting Dublin in two. Now, at the time, they were recommending them split Dublin in two for administration purposes. There's no way you can... And they they had in the report that the population's going to explode towards Mm. two million. There's no way you could possibly... So hang on, Tom, put two and two together. We're putting this huge investment. There's no way one administration can even keep... uh, control over this huge thing we recommend splitting into two just because they didn't spell it out Dublin are going to dominate of course that yeah. was on the cards like I mean that was part of their thinking for splitting Dublin into two there was a lack of acknowledgement of the 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 uh, advantages that Dublin have I think and the whole tone of the report seems to be to every every county needs to get its house in order without acknowledging the benefits that Dublin have like like it's not uh, like Marty Morrissey mentioned begrudgery it's not begrudgery it's fairness like when you when you've a team that's so far ahead of the pack in terms of population size in terms of the ability of their team at the moment in terms of the benefits they get from the GA and stuff it's it's absolutely fair it's incumbent on the GA to look into how they can level the playing field yeah. whereas I just thought that like for me even something like that could have been the subject of a, a midweek documentary or something that, that, that you look into it for a half well, an hour like, or an well, hour I'd, I'd like prime time yeah, to look exa- into yeah, it exactly. not Marty Morrissey, Marty Morrissey. Yeah. exactly that, that could be definitely prime time investigates of a Wednesday evening should, or something it absolutely as should as opposed to something that's a seven minute clip that's released on the same day of three provincial finals yeah. and then see it, they wouldn't it, go on prime time they'll uh, go yeah, on Marty know, yeah. because you're getting your PR's yeah, job yeah, and he's going to help you with it well that's the thing yeah it's quite disappointing one of the problems with the East Leinster project as well is that it says that the clubs have to sort of contribute a bit towards paying these coaches that's easier to do when you're in Dublin because again there's more money there's more people the huge more clubs businesses. huge membership like, fees yeah. Yeah. it's yeah. easier to attract more commercial interest so it's tougher if you're in Kildare or Meath or Lowes trying to drum up that money to pay a coach yeah so that, they're talking about reducing Dublin's games development and I think they reduced it and it's, it's, it's fairly minuscule it actually went up slightly last year from the accounts it went from 1298630 to 1303630 like I mean so maybe they've flattened it off and incredibly I had John Horan on here when he was Leinster Council chairman Leinster Council used to give Dublin a handout as well on top of the GEA games development and I says this is outrageous he says oh well we're reducing that as well holy shit like you see we all want Dublin we like again and Cheddar's right on the hurling show here he says why would you want to cut uh, Dublin funding isn't it great to have participation mm. rates increasing and I'm on that side as well so then split Dublin into four like it's the yeah. only solution. There's two solutions here. You either you either reduce their games development, which I think Dublin could probably take the hit on, um, because they've got so much money coming in. They'd have to just increase fundraising because their fundraising is something like fifty thousand. Mayo's was a million last year, so like Dublin don't even have to try to fundraise because they're completely, um, you know, just so flush with money. They've yeah. no tra- re- they've minimal travel expenses, which is the huge crippling. Um, uh, payout for most county boards um, down the country Mo- the majority I'd say all of their players are in Dublin so there'll be minuscule I don't think I don't, I'm not sure that leash players even get travel expenses when you're coming within the county that's mm-hmm. how miserable it was um, you'd only get them if you're coming from outside the county I think that was the case at one stage so that's it so either cut this game's development which would per- completely tighten the purse strings of Dublin but I think they could take the hit on it or else you keep giving it to them and you say right let's split Dublin and like there has to be a solution here because this thing of you see the people on uh, I don't know why I'm even mentioning Twitter because it's just a, a toxic cesspit and they're trying to compare it to Kerry and the amount of money Kerry get from Kerry Group and it's so dumb that's a sponsor yeah. there's not one person I've ever seen complain about Dublin's 1.46 they're just lucky to have it but that's their good look. This is central funding. This is money from the actual organisation, the GEA. Yeah. 
there's not you're not comparing the like with like at all. But I do think, um, yeah, like as Cheddar says, I think the GA were right to pump that money in, and I think they are right to keep doing it because there's too many people here. Like, and their primary goal is to have the GA as the number one sport in the country. So where the population is, they have to invest. I think. Then it does bring up a separate question: Do you split Dublin, or do you start pulling all the sponsorship? Because you said it's luck. It is luck that Dublin have AIG as their main sponsor like that's that's luck Leitrim can't do that I don't know Leitrim people hate you being used as a comparison but they can't attract AIG just because of who they are and where they are yeah. so like that should be pulled and then split between everybody yeah, well that's another solution as well and that's definitely something but do, see would Dublin have the same motivation to have 16 sponsors knowing yeah. that they're going well, to be all it, gone yeah. Yeah. do you know what I mean but that, they, that, that solves the finance issue it doesn't necessarily solve the the population the issue population so when you're issue. on about splitting in four Leitrim could get you know an equal share of the take of that Dublin do but they still will only have the exact yeah. same population and, uh, lads, it's not necessarily ev- going to help eventually this is going to happen eventually it's going to happen it's just going to take a long time until Dublin get bored of winning like seriously what fun in them is going to be winning 20 out of 21 Leinster titles it's just going to be a, now I'd say the championship will have restructured by then and maybe the provincials might be played away from the All-Ireland series so do you know what I mean and maybe if Dublin don't prioritise it and much it might actually yeah, improve yeah. do you know but definitely this thing where the, Mick Reynolds saying oh I can see it improving well how well, how, long, the, how, how do you backing that up how long before they admit that it's not just cyclical do you know what I mean I mean yeah, 14 uh, and 15 Leinsters 6 out of 8 All-Irelands and there's no sign of that stopping any soon I, I take the cyclical argument to a certain degree cyclical was in the amateur area of course the teams yeah. came and went but Dublin are always going to be consistently at that level and it's just it's, at the moment it's a once in a generation team that's going to come along to challenge them but like yeah. Dublin if, if, if they continue to get the advantages they are will likely remain at that level because they've got their house in order to such a degree and they deserve credit for that and that's been taken away from because there's such an argument of funding or, and, and like other counties need to get their house in order it's probably not acknowledged how much Dublin have got their house in order and they and have the yeah but I don't like the way now that the idea is that the problem is that other counties need to up the level uh, so yeah, of course. the problem is Dublin here right the problem is Dublin and how good they're after getting because of the help they're after getting don't try to deflect and say the problem is with the other counties because they yeah, need yeah, to step yeah, up. Yeah. That's bullshit. You know what I mean? You get your house in order, yeah, lads. Yeah, but that's, see, that's, and imagine Marty feeding that to John Costello. It's just sick. As if people anyway, aren't working hard all yeah, over the country. Yeah, and they're, they're doing their very best yeah. with minimal resources. Eamon Callaghan, uh, ex-Kildare player, very good player, um, he tweeted, probably at this stage, we're probably at the stage now where teams should boycott the Leinster Championship. It's a joke. County boards are as much to blame as the GEA for allowing this to happen. I would be all on for a strike next year and the other counties in Leinster say that this isn't a level playing field. It's a complete turkey shoot. It's a waste of our time. Put us straight into the qualifiers. Where's the answer then? What would happen then? That's all they. That's all they know. That's that's extreme, right? But I'm all for extremities because playing politics with them, these people doesn't work. You saw that report. They're barely acknowledging that there's a problem, yeah. and they're trying to say that they're fixing it, and they're not. Yeah. <laughs> like they're just not. So, like, I mean, what do you do with, with with officials that are saying things like this? You hit them where it hurts, and you embarrass them by saying, "Here, now." Having said that, all county teams might agree to do this. All county uh, reps. All county uh, reps, or what do you call them, uh, delegates to the Leinster Council would never vote for it oh, because they're no, they're no, under no. the control. So it's very hard to change <laughs> these type of things. This would, you know what I mean? And well, it just needs to be a strike, and actually don't need the delegates at all, right? Mm. So yeah, that's it. Anyways, we'll move on from that because there's a quite funny um, 
alter, altercation happened between Andy McEntee and a man called Jimmy Gagan, who's a local reporter for the Mead Chronicle. Now, the Mead Chronicle are very upset about this and Mead have released a statement saying they're investigating this. Right. So Andy McEntee. Now, listen, I'm a reporter myself and I ask the questions and I should be on Jimmy's side, but I think Jimmy kind of maybe went I don't know, there's a time and a place to ask a stupid question like this. Now, Andy McEntee was livid. We saw him on RTE and he'd be a tick sort of a man anyways, a proud mead man and they were humiliated, right? So here's all the context of it. And then he's in, done his media or whatever and then Jimmy comes up to him and asks him, will the players be lining out for the county hurling championships this weekend? Now, ah, come on, I, I would be like, you know, like, Jesus Christ, they're out in the qualifiers the week after that. For me, that's a, it, it's, they're not going to be, is the yeah. quiet answer. So, yeah. uh, so Andy went, Andy was livid. He says, are you fucking mad? What sort of fucking question is that to ask me? Right. So he said that before moved off into a TV interview. Right. So that didn't end there. Right. So um, then Jimmy Gagan headed off uh, t- towards the team bus to catch up players for before they get on the bus. Often been down there, Jimmy, in Croke Park. I hang around the bus. Got Stephen Rochford there last year. We hid in around the back of the bus. But anyways, that's all the game that's played down there. Journalists will be wait- waiting around the bus and hoping to get a player as they go on. And uh, he started asking them about the match. And McEntee, McEntee saw him. <laughs> And he says, I'll take the fucking head off you if I see you near the fucking dressing room again. He shouted at Gagan. Now, this is allegedly, apparently it's, it's, on, it's, on, uh, it's on recording. So look, lads, I don't know what to, what to make of this. <laughs> I find it quite funny, but obviously maybe Jimmy Gagan is put out by this. He's an experienced yeah. reporter and he didn't deserve that. If that happened to me, I would tell Andy to F off and tell him what I'm here for. And, yeah. you know, that would be kind of the end of it. Yeah, and uh, like Jimmy is a local reporter. Local reporters seem to always get it in the neck most. They do. You know? They yeah. get underplayed. And in my time playing, the local journalist gets way more of a hard time yeah. for being critical. So his concern, his readership is obviously the the club players and me. So I can see why he would ask that question. Maybe a bad time and yeah, may, maybe fueling a bit of fire there. But um, yeah, I, I just see him as a reporter just doing his job and asking a yeah. A so we should question. be on Jimmy's Jimmy's <laughs> yeah. side, right? I don't know why I'm not fully. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the bit on the bus, or like in front of the bus, where he says, "I'll take the f and head off you." Like he'd already effed him out of it. Do you know? Did he need to do it again? Oh he, no, he didn't need you know, to do it so again. The, so the but first I still find that quite I funny. Know, I know, I know. <laughs> it's, it's funny in the report that it says shaken but undeterred. Our reporter made it. <laughs> that, that was the in bus. the Mead Chronicle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, shaken but undeterred. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so look, I don't know what to say about that. It's going to be investigated. Maybe Andy McEntee will deserve will uh, will have to apologise, and all of a sudden Jimmy's feelings will all of a sudden be okay because an apology came. I always find yeah. these apologies like I mean, Christ Almighty! It's like I tell Mannix regularly now. He's two. Apologise, say sorry. That's how you teach children how to behave. <laughs> yeah. Like to to tell an adult. It's, I don't mind tell an adult to apologise and for the other adult to go, oh, well, that's okay then. <laughs> <laughs> like, this isn't yeah. the real world and you see it all the time. If someone says something that's not PC, yeah, yeah. they're told to apologise and all the, the PC people are all just satisfied then. <laughs> but was it, did he mean it? Yeah. Then it wasn't, it wasn't very sincere. Yeah. Then he said, I apologise if you if were I offended. Caused, yeah, yeah. I caused offence. Oh, yeah. well, I love those ones. <laughs> Sorry you're annoyed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the only way to deal with yeah. it though. <laughs> Anyways, we'll move on from that. Will it be interesting to see what Andy, Andy uh, says to that um, because Patton Sean Patton um, Donegal uh, goalkeeper 
he was, I didn't realise this about him. So he had only played, Declan Bogue had a piece in the Examiner about this. Um, he'd only played, he'd never played league or championship for unions before he played with Donegal. So we know he played League of Ireland, but I didn't realise he'd played that much League of Ireland that he'd never played club. Uh, league or championship for St. Eunan's before he played for Donegal. So instead of perform for your club and you get a county call up, he performed Mm. for his county and then he started playing for his club. (laughs) Now, apparently he played two Ulster club games in 2014 and they must have been stuck and needed him to come in. It was against uh, um, Oma and uh, Ross Lee. I get on, probably Lee, don't. Yeah. Russell, yeah, okay, thankly, thanks, Conan. But that's a good one. I thought it was interesting, and he's just a sensational player. So uh, Donegal are very lucky. Bonner headhunted him when he came in, and he's keeping mm. Durkin off the team. So he, I find this fella very interesting. He's only a slip of a fella, and he's a boom and kick out. Yeah, I remember talking about him last year, and then felt like he, he probably let me down a bit because I had been talking him up, and I heard that Donegal went after him, or Dick and Bonner went after him because was it Sligo Rovers he was with? And, he's with a few different ones. He was in talks with Cork City when Bonner took yeah, him. Yeah, and like they had an idea of how they wanted him to play and stuff like that. So it really kept my eye on him, and he, he did all right last year, but it wasn't anywhere near what he's doing this year. But oh, that's obviously he was actually uh, he was understudy to club mate of mine, uh, Michal Schlingerman and Sligo Rovers. And then Slingerman, our Slingerman, man. Yeah, you were talking about last year when I wasn't there. And Michal has actually been involved with Mayo this year. He played with the juniors there last weekend, but uh, and he was on the bench for a couple of games during the league. But uh, just just on Patton as well, like I, I thought the same last year when they got him. There was I, he looked like a soccer player, a soccer goalie that hadn't played gar for years. But it's just like the solid foundations are always there. It's the same with like Mio is playing club for us now. His agility is fantastic. Do you know, shot stopping is obviously there. So once they get, once you master the kind of fundamentals of the kicking and being used to maybe different high balls than you are to in soccer, you've got a obviously a class goalkeeper on your hand because they've been in a professional environment for so long. Do you know, so yeah. Donegal really, really bearing the fruits. I, I didn't think last year. I didn't think he had. He had the kickouts in him that yeah. he's been, he has that the he's been delivering the only, this year. The only thing is both Tyrone and Cavan both went man-to-man on his kickouts, which is clearly a mistake because they're changing it up game on game. So there's a lad running for that kickout and he's a decoy runner. So how do you how do you manage that? You do what Dublin do and you go zonal on mm. it. So no matter where he goes, you're going to have players in around it. And the thing about zonal is all these runners are just going running. Yeah. They're often running towards people that are just standing yeah. in zones. You know, So there's definitely a zonal... If you're looking at playing Donegal next, you'd have to go zonal on Patton's kickouts because their movement's so good and they're isolating people. They're getting people out of areas and they're trying to hit people they want to hit. Mm. How do you how do you yeah. put manners on that? You have True. to go zonal, right? But but some of those kicks I thought were like even over. I thought Kevin had ten up at one stage, where it was three, three, and yeah. four. Ah, well, and you're wise to that now. Like I mean, you can't mark it. You know, you have to be watching. You have to be marking behind yeah. if you're around the midfield area. You know, but Dublin. See, Dublin are wise to all this. They've been caught in 2014 with those long kickouts from Durkin F- and the flisted yeah. on. <clears throat> like they they're covering most of these tactics. You know, but yeah. I do think that the next team that plays Donegal, if they don't go zonal. Tactically, it'll be a mistake. Is that fair enough? Without getting yeah. too tactical no, on the I top of the so, show, because he has that sort of. He's just, just looking for someone to open up, and he'll pick him out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and they're moving out, moving out of areas. So, oh yeah, dear McConnelly lad. So he's going back to uh, Boston. So we were joking recently about the Connolly, um, <laughs> about the Connolly uh, situation, and I just thought it was interesting that he's going back to Donegal, Boston, and I want to take credit for this transfer, lads, because I gave my man uh, in Donegal, Boston, Connolly's number last year. So. <laughs> can come clean on that as if there uh, wasn't a reason for Dublin fans to hit you <laughs> yeah well it's not really like, oh yeah but don't twist it like that now or I'll be lynched but I definitely did I knew Connolly wasn't around and I gave my man who's still over them who's a good friend of mine I won't say his name 
Um, I says, here, just try try Connolly. And the next minute I get a text a week later, he's coming. <laughs> <laughs> now, I had to keep my hat on that yeah. because I didn't. Yeah. he told me not yeah. to say anything. So imagine how frustrating it was me not to, being able to say yeah. on the show here, yeah. Connolly's going. I said, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In, in unrelated news, I'm also going to Boston for the summer. <laughs> Right, okay. I was half wondering, where are you going to Boston there? But anyways, I was reading this thing in The Independent and it's actually interesting how he's still big news, right? It's like he has played, Dublin have played 40 matches in the last two and a half years and Connolly has only featured in seven of them. He's only played 203 minutes and he's only scored four points in the last 40 matches. The last uh, full match season he played and full match was 2016 and he won an All-Star. When is he going to stop being news? He's been gone for that long. You know what I mean? It's not like it's he's gone to Boston again. That's grand. He's going he's to see such a, He's such an enigma. He's such he's a going, but is he even an enigma? Like, I don't think he looks for that. Like, I think he's just become this but thing. He is. I don't know why. I think oh, I think his things he does in the field can be oversold at, at times. He's got a lot of class about him. He he wouldn't have done as good of things as Keir MacDonald, for example. And like, I don't know. I just think that it's overdone with him. And I think it's because he's with Dublin. And I think maybe a lot of Dublin players mightn't take a year out. I don't know. But sometimes I think he's over, he's completely overhyped. And I think in year three now that he's going to Boston, he should be left alone to go to Boston. At what point do we leave Dear McConnelly alone? I think, like, but he has, it's produced passes Kieran McDonald esque. Yeah, in, in but his, not as regularly as Kieran no, McDonald. But what he's done then also, I know Kieran McDonald was good at running with it, but he's ran with it, he's kicked up both feet, he scored goals. Yeah, you look, know. he's a very good player. Yeah, and like that's it. But like he's, he's been, been marked he's out of All Ireland finals by Lee Keegan. He's been marked out of most big games by Lee Keegan. He's class when he gets a bit of space. But like I don't know. I just think it's it's overdone on him. I think the reason though is because he's been one of the best players. Even if Lee Keegan's done such a good like job, Bernard Brogan's been much better for Dublin uh, than Dear McConnelly. He I has. He's done it. He's do, scored so two two and all. Like, Bernard's done it in big games more than Dear McConnelly. Now that's a fact. That's not a debate. He's done, Bernard's won all Ireland finals. He's won all Ireland semi finals. You could probably add more to that list than just Bernard Brogan, I would say. Yeah. Apologies to Connolly. But. But, but I think actually, though, if you take the Bernard Brogan example, like if he was in the same situation, if he wasn't playing with Dublin the last three years, we'd be, you know, looking at his club form. And it's, it's probably worse because Connolly's playing for one of the best teams in Dublin. So he's always doing well and they're doing well. So then you start asking why is he not involved? If Bernard Brogan was playing with Vincent, yeah, mm. it might be the same. Then thing. they play him centre back, and you're like, oh, why I think the, I think the thing with Carlo has shot him into another kind of stratosphere of pure controversy, and that whole thing got so big because he's not hasn't really done anything since then. And you the, know, the Lee Keegan thing actually helped propel his character, I think, a bit more as well because these were the two best teams, and these were two of the best players. Going head to head, that was the obvious yeah, matchup. But Keegan was giving it to him. No, like, I mean there was only one winner in those battles. But that made him more of a personality. Like you know, it made him more to talk about. Like I mean, you come next year, Mayo and Dublin, we're going to face each other again. Yeah. To be fair yeah. to Conley, he did make the difference when he came on at halftime in the 2017. He point. did. Well, he Don't got a he got a point. Now again, this is a little bit like soccer. So he got a point, he got fouled, and he gave a good pass. There's three things and a half. Now I, I would say I that's just powerful. It a massive influence just 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 from kind of watching the game as opposed yeah. to like the whatever stats he kind of had had at the end. But like I think now I think in 2017 Dublin needed him to come on and maybe beat Mayo that time. Dublin don't need him now, yeah. so probably the longer it goes on without him being involved, yeah. the less he's going to go down in the news cycle. Yeah, and I think that's it. I think his career from now on is going to be just going to Boston for the summer, making a few quid, coming home playing with Vincent's. And what's wrong with that? The way I look at it. But next year we'll be back to saying carry on again. 
He's key. He's, he's kindly coming back. <laughs> if I have anything to do with it, Con and the ringleader of the whole thing. Right, we'll come back and we'll look at the matches at the weekend. I work as a policeman at Garda Shikana down, down in Store Street and I'm coming back out and there's a cohort of loyal Tyrone fans still up in the stand as you come back out and they're roaring at me, hey Coffrey, you free state bastard. <laughs> and, and, and next thing I hear, you have no fucking jurisdiction up here. <laughs> So the big news today, lads, we're going to concentrate on Mayo Armagh here because let's be honest, I produced a show under two teams I love to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> They're two interesting teams. They, are, they really are. The big news coming out of Mayo is that Dermot O'Connor looks like he's out for the rest of the year, which is a huge blow for Mayo on the back of Rouen. So you'd imagine Dermot O'Connor was, well, he, it's not like you'd imagine he did go in uh, midfield with Aidan O'Shea. At least that's the way the team was picked, uh, Connor. We only saw highlights. Um, the good news for Mayo on the injury front is uh, Vaughan is back Seamus O'Shea is back now they've been out for a long time Vaughan mm-hmm. since the league final Seamus O'Shea even longer but they might be forced their hand to bring one of the two of them into midfield Jar Cafferkey's back as well so whenever they get some good news Killian O'Connor what's going on with him is another yeah. question but let's stick to this uh, midfield issue with Mayo first yeah, it's just unfortunate for Jeremy as well, to be honest. His first year as captain, captain Mayo to a league title and then uh, fractured his eye socket or had a problem with his eye socket before the New York game. Came back, wasn't it was only okay against Roscommon, uh, decent against down then and then just uh, fractured his wrist then in training. So like he just has, hasn't got a run of it at all, you no. know. Um, and like I thought that this was going to be a big year for Jeremy O'Connor as a midfielder. Just I think he plays there for his club. Um, I think the open spaces kind of suit him more than than when he can sometimes get marked out of a game at when when he's playing wing forward. Um, and yeah, it's just so for a start, it's just a pity for him. As for the midfield, like like midfield has always been Mayo's like strongest kind of area yeah. of the pitch, and we've just been decimated altogether. Um, so like the last day, uh, Mikey Murray, guy from Ballinat, came in. He was called in at the end of the league. Came in, did reasonably well against Town by all accounts. I don't know much about him because he had been, he had played Mayo underage, had played well for Ballina, but it at the moment I think it, it's looking like either him or Stephen Cohn who plays there for his club could come in because. So you think neither Vaughan nor Seamus or Shea just are because ready? Been, just because they've been out for so long, like I can't remember the last time Shamey played and Donny hasn't played since the league. Now, what about Parsons? He's way off as well. Is way, he? I think so as well. Well, he's been it's been over a year now since his injury, but there's been no reports of him no. you know, being being game ready or anything like that. So it looks, I would imagine, probably Stephen Cohen because of experience. And he has actually, um, during the couple of runs that Mayo have had in qualifiers, he's played there. He's probably the fittest man in the panel. Not um, not a high, not a great fielder by all accounts, but he can probably do a job there the next day. But it's like, as for like whatever about Armagh or if we get through Armagh, who we're going to face next. But it doesn't really bode well for, for our chances of kind of going beyond the Super 8s if we get there. Yeah, because I don't think Grimley's an unbelievable fielder either. So Cohn could come on and just mark <coughs> Grimley. You know what I mean? Let Aidan O'Shea mark Gerald uh, O'Connor. The whole thing, the throw in is going to be such a big deal, isn't it? Like, who wins that throw in between Aidan O'Shea and Gerald O'Connor? I actually think the other two midfielders just get out of there. Don't get in these two lads' way. Let's just see these two lads go for it. It's just going to be like a basketball throw up. It's going to be fantastic. But I suppose the big tactical. Uh, question here is 
are Mayo going to go man for man in their halfback line like they did against Roscommon? Because tactically, that is going to be a mistake against Armagh because we know Armagh's main strength is that full forward line. It's Jamie Clark, it's Rian O'Neill, and it's Andrew Mernon. Well, Andrew Mernon went off early um, the last day. <laughs> Stephen brought Grugan on for <laughs> Yeah, but like, I mean, I think this is actually a game for Grugan to maybe, because yeah. if Mayo are not leaving extra men back, Grugan could play that playmaking role. Grug- Grugan struggles in these tight defensive games. Like he does, because he's not physically strong and he likes, he's a smart player that sees a pass. And both those, both those, uh, Quality and weakness are exposed in the, in those systems. Yeah, I would have been looking at playing him eleven anyway because I just I like Mernon too much as well. And with that full forward line that you mentioned, you just get so much out of them. There's so many different types of players in there. And if you have Nugent and Jamar Hall doing the work, and Grugan sitting on the forty five, and one of Rian O'Neill and uh, Jamie Clark coming out to help him, it's just such a lovely balance. Yeah. Like, I do you think it's a game? For but do you, do you see Mayo not being as 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 kind of obviously I don't want to say naive because that's Mayo's philosophy. Mm-hmm. Do you know? Do you see them maybe changing it against Armagh tactically? That not what no. maybe will Boyle might hold that middle a little bit. He more, held a little he? bit against he held a little bit against down. Yeah, but you're not going to see like like Lee Keegan and Paddy oh, you Durk won't see are a full, be, yeah they'll follow their men they're absolutely going to be following their men and then I, I suppose I think it'll be dependent on what happens in the Armagh full forward line as well uh, we might get to that but I'd imagine that the the, the uh, Rian O'Neill and Jamie Clark will be picked up by Chris Bard and Brendan Harrison yeah. and then it depends on how free Keith Higgins might be because Keith Higgins as a man marker he's, he, he, he doesn't do it as often anymore and I don't think it suits him to do it as often anymore I'd like if there was any free man kind of back there I'd nearly prefer it to be him because as well as kind of sweeping up he can he can like he still has the pace to kind of burst forward but uh, but uh, like I think I just I, against Roscommon I thought Mayo were ridiculously open and we played into Roscommon's hands Michael Plunkett had played there it was his first championship game starting centre back and I think that's the reason why Cullen Boyle came back in Right. so I would like to think that between whether it's Keith Higgins being freed up some way in the full back line or, or Cullen Boyle holding but it will only be I mean this that, that'll that be it it'll be one person maybe kind of man in the 40 yeah. and that'll be like Mayo aren't going to suddenly get loads of men back into that area we don't know how really to be honest and at this stage it's Horn's philosophy it's Mayo's philosophy I wouldn't nearly like to see them do it either No you see that's the thing but like, I mean what do Armagh then will say right we're predicting that's what the role Boyle would play so what would you do would you put Rian O'Neill out centre forward which means Boyle can't drop you know you have yeah, to do yeah. Stefan Campbell go in centre forward on Boyle to make sure Boyle has to you have to mark those two you know and Keith Higgins is going to if, if they play Mernon Clark and Rian O'Neill in a full forward line one of them has to mark Higgins and you don't want any of those three marking Higgins because Higgins is going to take off and drag you out at least Harrison and Barrett will go straight mm. now Harrison likes to wander a little bit but not too much so I was thinking one of the three Clark Rian O'Neill, Andrew Mernon will should play in the half forward in at centre half forward. Mernon doesn't really play there, so I'm thinking play Rian O'Neill at eleven, play Jamie Clark and play um, Mernon inside. Mernon and Clark will pair off against Harrison and Barrett, then play Nugent in for for Higgins to pick him up. Who'll work? Do you know what I mean? And yeah. Mark Nugent. So there's two. You know, I know forwards can't dictate who marks who, but you wouldn't know. Maybe Mayo might not have thought who that this was going to happen, you know, that Higgins wasn't going to be marking one of these three lads. Yeah, I know we have this conversation all the time about letting them off or not, but will Mayo want Higgins marking one of those guys? Because they're such a threat. Like, you know, if he's on Mernon, are they going to want Higgins bombing off down the pitch and leaving Mernon on his own? Yeah, he won't be on Mernon now, because I'd say yeah, Harrison no, uh, will mark... Well, he, he would, no, I don't think he'd mark Mernon, would he? I, I, it's hard to know, actually, because there's two big men in there, you know, so yeah. it's hard to know what, what he'd do. I think they will. I think all these tactics now are designed... Higgins goes forward and he messes his man's game up. 
I think they'll mix it. I think if Rian O'Neill stayed inside, I think the idea would be that Brendan, Har- Brendan Harrison is probably our go-to man marker. I'd say that I, the idea is that if, if Rian O'Neill plays inside, that Brendan Harrison picks him up. And if Jamie Clark picks him, picks or starts inside, that uh, Chris Barr picks him up. I'd say if Rian O'Neill eventually wanders up and this might be this might be very threatening for Mayo and this might me- mess up their plans completely but if he was to wander out it's not as if Brendan Harrison is go out to centre back and, and mark him out there he'll mark whoever's going inside and he'll rely on whether it's Keith, Keith Dickens coming up or Cullen Boyle sitting deep to actually have to pick him up there so I hadn't actually considered that as a factor and I know I'm kind of worried about what Rina might, well, might he, do coming well, out well to he's the brilliant at going out to 40 yeah. and he gives these de- uh, uh, bullets of passes in so I think they'll make I think McGinney is is a brave manager and he's definitely an unpredictable manager and I think they will do something especially with Boyle 6 because Boyle can be got at as a 6 he's, mm. not, he's a bit of a he's an inspirational player but he's not a good marker right so it's immediately if, if say they put Rian O'Neill at 11 what are Mayo going to do about that are they going to put Boyle in the corner and put Higgins out and Rian O'Neill yeah. then Boyle's not going to be very comfortable in the corner now Armagh are what, have, have an up on them so I think they'll I definitely think they'll mix it up and you're worried I can yeah, see I that know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. and, that, and that's the beauty of having four dangerous forwards yes, isn't it? yes. <laughs> yeah. all, and Jamie Clark could always play in front of the two big men and then they could get in diagonal balls into the two Rian and Mernon Armagh have a lot of ways of hurting you like there's no doubt about that they're coming off a brilliant win now I still think Mayo will beat Armagh I think they'll bully them around the middle third of the field and I think they'll get their way with them and they'll run up I think Armagh aren't great at the back they don't have a they don't have a brilliant uh, defence Morgan's out he hit it like one of these things on his uh, ankle the last day out in the field against Down so it doesn't look good for him he's their best man marker I don't know if Cavan are running up the big scores against Armagh you know Jamar Hall works hard but he's not getting back ahead of the ball and waiting or anything you know what I mean he's just working and you'll have Nugent doing a bit of work as well. I, if I was picking a team, Nugent would be on Higgins just to, to take care of him. I think Mayo's defence is much better than Armagh's defence. And I think yeah. Armagh's forward line slightly shades, sh- slightly maybe better than Mayo's, but not a huge amount in it. Yeah, uh, but I think the setups yeah, will suit Mayo because from all accounts, Brendan Donaghy was the sweeper the last day against Monaghan and Monaghan gave them that option that for the number six to just sit in front of the fullback line. And they probably needed that because like, Armagh can be a bit loose in the back line so Mayo who will obviously go up traditional 15 on 15 yeah. those boys are going to have to stand up and be counted for and I think it might just be a bit a bit loose for them yeah Hayden Forker lined out cornerback now I'm just going off team sheets but like I mean it was either him or Hughes maybe he's down on the team sheet as cornerback but see this is McGinney as well and maybe I'm reading too much into it but like I mean they'd play Finton Kelly maybe corner forward or you know they'll play mm. some corner forward or McInespy and his his job will be just to follow him but give him something to think yeah. about going forward. And I love that kind of stuff. But uh, against Mayo, they're going to need they're going to need uh, they're going to need six defenders because, yeah. like, we know how Mayo line up. But they had t- Armagh had thirteen different scorers, I think, um, against Monaghan. I, I absolutely I can't see that happening. I think I'd like to think that the Mayo forward line and maybe not the Mayo forward line, but the Mayo runners from deep and will will keep the Armagh defense occupied so that that the Armagh defense don't have the opportunity to kind of come forward like they did the last day. But that's it. I think that. Um, I think the Mayo will still be reliant on like Lee Keegan kicked, kicked uh, three points against Down. You mentioned the last day; his last point was a beauty. Uh, Paddy Durkin actually missed. I don't know was it was it in the Sunday game highlights, but he missed two or three opportunities for scores earlier on. But he's going he's going head in them that like I I don't think it'll get him down. He could easily score three points from play the next day as well. Aidan O'Shea is actually developing into a with Maddie Ruan gone as well. He's developing into a bit of a scoring threat from midfield as well. So I think that's where Mayo's threat will going to come from. And as you said, well, <laughs> my fingers are crossed anyway that the Mayo middle eight 
and and that kind of driving from deep and that physicality would be too good for an MRS side that are getting there, but maybe not at that level yeah, just yet. I see that's how the game going. I see this being a classic. I'm really looking forward to it. Like, I mean, how did how do you, what do you think of Conor Loftus? He scored one four from centre half forward. Like him and Fionn McDonough, there is a very new look to this Mayo team, yeah. isn't it? Like, I mean, if 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 there is going to be a shock with the Mayo injuries and with the new look to it. Yeah, and the castle bar factor, oh, which they don't like, play, they don't like yeah. playing. I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be blown away if 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 Armagh are going to kind of come and uh, come and maybe win by a point or two the next day. But uh, no, uh, mentioning Conor Loftus, he's got a lot of chances in the last few years. At, like, and to be fair to Conor Loftus, he's mostly been used as a corner forward. Whereas yeah. he plays centre forward for cross line. He's better coming on to the ball than yeah. he is kind of receiving the ball with his back to goal. And just on that. Because um, he is a good direct line runner, isn't he, he? Yeah, very much so. Kevin McLaughlin is also better with his uh, coming onto the ball than with his back he's to goal. Persistent with him at and thirteen. He's been, he's been struggling at thirteen. His confidence seems a bit, um, bit down as a result. I would, I would be in favour of Kevin McLaughlin coming out to the half forward line. The only problem is, is who you throw in. Jason Doherty would probably be the, the obvious candidate from that half forward line. Sean McDonough came back in after a few months gone and kind of built on the form he had in the early stages. League two points, and he's a really hard worker. He's, um, he's very involved in the game. He, he likes to keep it wide, but at the same time tends to be involved a lot, which is what you want from a kind of productive wing forward. So good sign from him, good sign from Conor Loftus and good sign from Mayo is that with Killian O'Connor out, Conor Loftus nailed most of his frees and a lot of them from the wrong side for a right footed kicker against Down as well. So he has a goal in them too, as he showed against Down and as he, as he showed in the past as well. Um, got got one that got us out of jail against Derry in Castlebar there a few years ago as well. So goal, that yeah, showed a bit of composure. Showed a bit of composure for his goal against Down as well. But uh, so Killian O'Connor, then it's the right time to ask you about him. What's the story there? There was some talk about indiscipline, which James Horan denied and said that he's nearly there. Is this relapsing, or he should be back by now? Right. That's all I know. I mean, J- James Horan was asked after the game the last day, was it something to do with a disciplinary issue? I'm not sure where that that that's just that's just in response to the Mayo rumor mill, which is. Uh, quite busy as it always is um, but uh, so he's had this long term injury and James Horn just ca- said that he keeps kind of he's not just quite at the fitness level yet and it's interesting that when Mayo released that statement today about all the players that participated in training last night that Killian O'Connor wasn't amongst them and this is after James Horn said that he's very close yeah. after the down game and he said he was very close after the Roscommon game so that's about all I know but it's it's kind of concerning because that, like if he's not used this weekend like when is he going to be used because Mayo are looking with all their injuries as well that we could be hanging on if, if we are going to get the Super 8 Yeah no exactly I was just thinking there if O'Neill went in at number 11 Lee Keegan would probably go across on him and That's Boyle, what Rochford would do Boyle would, Boyle would go onto the wing Yeah but yeah. It is, has Horan been putting Keegan on his good player? He has He put him on Shane Walsh against Galway didn't he? But Shane Walsh was kind of playing out there anyway whereas Rochford would right. but like if Shane, if Shane Welch moved inside Lee Keegan's job would be to go yeah, inside yeah, with yeah, him yeah. no more than he did with Quinlevin and Sean Kavanagh whereas I think he's been keen to have Lee Keegan which I like uh, have Lee Keegan op- operating around the half forward line so that could be an option too um, Keegan would relish that as, as much as Keegan relishes going forward the other thing he relishes is facing up with a man who's been touted to be you know the, the opposition's best forward and putting them in their place so I wouldn't be I, like I'd be happy enough if I saw Lee Keegan kind of lining out against alongside Reno Neal next day. Yeah, how do we see this going? As we might as well get the predictions here. May or four to eleven. Armagh are eleven to four. I wouldn't have it that much in Mayo's favour, but at the same time, I'm fancying Mayo to get over the line in a classic that I'm really looking forward to. Sky have done unbelievably well to get this to get these two games. How on earth did two brilliant games come out of that hat? on the weekend Sky had committed to playing two qualifiers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know conspiracy theorists here, <laughs> but this was not, this, 
do what do you do warm up the balls maybe <laughs> okay, this, is a, this is a joke now yeah. I'm going with Mayo as well I think it'll be 15 on 15 and just going by the Cavan game where like Armad just looked open and Cavan took him for 23 points that day and we've seen in the past Mayo coping with the Dublin forwards when it's 15 on 15 so yeah. I think they could still even though the Armad forwards are classed they still have enough at the back to cope with them yeah we should savour these games though lads because these are this is a game and if this is not a good game I'll be amazed because these are two managers that have a philosophy on the game and when these two meet each other yes there will be times when both teams will have uh, 12 outfielders back in generally they'll be following a man and they'll just end yeah. up back there and the attack has been slowed down when attacks, when kickouts are won, both teams will try and get it down as fast as possible and there'll be one-on-ones. Yeah. Like, this'll be a throwback to when we used to see that kind of thing in every game, you know? And not complaining that that's not in every game because it's nice to have a variety, but when we have two teams like these two, like Dublin, like Kerry, who all get men behind the ball, but who will give you one-on-ones if you are smart enough and fast enough with your attack... I think that's fantastic and mm. I think this will this like I said Sky you're lucky to have it Where Mayo I presume you'll be going for Mayo kind yeah of. Mayo are the longest odds of anyone this weekend which kind of took me aback a little bit because I shortest I, odds you mean uh, well they're left they're uh, Oh, sorry, they're shortest odds. Sorry, yeah, Armar are the longest odds of anyone this weekend, which I found a surprise. But uh, they're, they're, the handicap is plus three. You can get Armagh plus three for even money. If I was betting, I'd go for that. But yeah, Mayo by less than three points, basically, is what I'm saying. Right, okay, great stuff. We'll come back with Paddy Power predictions. Come here, I want you to talk us through the goal you scored in the county final after 15 seconds. I want you to tell me when you had goal on your mind. Yeah, you've probably had a few 15 seconds experiences yourself. <laughs> uh, Paddy Power Predictions, lads. We have three games left. Fantastic, really, isn't it? This it's, it's a nice time of the year, really, these four games on a Saturday evening, isn't it? So, like, I mean, it's, it's just kind of heating up the football championship. You'd have to say all the provincials are over. Um, I'm calling this the Curra or Nowhere because the Curra mm. boss, Derek McGrath, was complaining um, to the Racing Post. He says, certainly it's disappointing for the Derby itself, given the proximity of both events. Where an approach was made to the GEA, but we have to respect the fact that it has a lot of matches on during the weekend and it has to make decisions in the best interest of its own sport. So this game is, is clashing with the, the Derby in a completely revamped uh, Curra. They did a lot of work out there. So I suppose that is disappointing that they could, that couldn't have just been put on at seven and the, the other one at five. It wouldn't have made too much difference. Yeah. It's not like the Sky numbers are, are off the charts anyways. Not yeah. that many people watch Sky and a lot of people will actually miss the game. So I would have just accom- I would accom- have accommodated that. But then again, it clashed last year for Newbridge or Nowhere, which Claire were more than happy to get. So maybe the GA <laughs> are like... Don't come to us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Do yeah. not come to us with this now. <laughs> and I don't. It wasn't Kildare GEA that came to them. It was the Curra, um themselves, which is a completely different thing. Yeah. But anyways, this one is Paddy Power has this price nine to four Kildare Tyrone four to nine. Hard to know what how to make of this one. We've been talking about Tyrone about how they went back to basics and back to what they know on against Longford, according to Sean Cavanagh, who was at the game. Now the thing about it is we're not sure how Tyrone are going to line up from game to game, which is a really strong thing. And it's something that the, the them practicing a second game plan is going to have teams completely guessing. Now, in my opinion, this is a game that now they could blow Kildare away with their counter-attack game. Kildare have played for Mana last year and 
a bit like Leash. You play against one defensive team who are getting back ahead of the ball. You've played against them all. So Leash were able to beat Carlo comfortably in the end. Um, Kildare hammered Fermanagh. They just didn't take the ball into the tackle. I think Tyrone need to remember the reasons that they went away from that game is because teams tactically were figuring it out. Now, against Kildare, a team who aren't going to leave a full-time sweeper back in front of Cottle McShane, maybe it's time to put Donnelly back in beside him for this game and then have people really guessing for the next round how the hell are Tyrone going to play against us? Yeah, it's, it's great that at the very least they know that they have another option. Like, you know, the Donegal game, it was going bad and it didn't change anything. They yeah. didn't go back to what they used to do. Yeah. And against Dublin, well, how did they react last year? They ended up just putting Colin Cavan in full forward and hadn't worked on anything. Like, you know, so a couple of balls went in, Howard cleaned them up. But now they've worked on this for most of the year. They have two very clear, very well-worked game plans that yeah. they can alternate to. And Mickey Hart actually said it was in the independent. I couldn't find it online, the exact one, but I was reading it in a coffee shop. He said, you actually need more than one game plan within a game. And I was like, well, it's about mm. time the penny dropped <laughs> yeah. on that one. But like now he clearly does. And the message can come in during the game that Donnelly goes in, yeah. Hart and Sludden push up, don't drop as deep, let's try and get a goal. Like this is a huge string to their bow, but it's also those very clear indicators. Like, so somebody like Donnelly going in, that that's very obviously a team. Then how they're playing, Hart and Sudden will stay further up. Then they'll know right, this kick is on, and then the whole pattern changes. It's not just change it to a long ball. When they see Donnelly go in, that's the trigger to to change everything up. So, yeah, yeah, I think it is exciting. I just hope that they will show a bit of flexibility. I think for the Kildare game, they will just stick with the counter-attack and brush them aside. Do you think so? When, when did he say it's important to have more than one game plan? Did after he say the long after, game. After, oh, after yeah. the long game, okay. Because yeah. like, I was wondering, did he say that before the Johnny Gall game? No, I don't, think he under, I don't think he thought about that <laughs> yeah. before. Yeah. That game. I, I just thought, like, because I, I just thought that Johnny Gall, or Tyrone would have been so spooked by having been co- so com- comprehensively outplayed by Johnny Gall that I'd fear for them that they'd just say, right, we'll stick with what we know and continue along this, continue with this game plan yeah. no matter what happens. See, I think that's a mistake. Uh, now, I haven't said that. I did yeah. say on Monday, throughout the qualifiers, it hasn't been a mistake. It's, this has been a successful game plan for them. Now, against Mead, they nearly came a cropper because Mead were smart that mm. day and turned it into an arm wrestle. Some teams are stupid going into it. I think Kildare, tactically, Keane O'Neill, will have them drill that if they're, if they're dropping off us and heading backwards... Don't rush the attack. Slow mm. down. Wait till, wait, wait till we get into our pods and try and get through them Dublin style. I, that's, and that was a crit- criticism I had of Cavan against Donegal. The minute you see them retreating off you, calm down. Yeah. We're not, this isn't a counter-attack. Calm down. We don't have them out of position. Let's wait until we get all ye up. We'll go on our shield outside it and we'll try and punch holes in it. I think that's what you have to do tactically. You know, with, with Tyrone. So I think Kildare are at that level of sophistication in that they have played defensive teams and done well against them. And I remember the Fermanagh game. They destroyed Fermanagh. They did not take the ball in the tackle. They looked well drilled. And I think against Tyrone, if Tyrone want to go down that road, that Kildare will be able able for it. Now, Newbridge is such a bloody tight pitch that mm. getting through Tyrone in Newbridge, is, if they're <laughs> dropping bodies back, it's going to be difficult. Yeah, it's going to be very, very difficult. Um I just remember the old Mickey Hart who used to like surprise Kerry, ambushed him with a new tactic, and it seems like now they've become very obsessed with focusing on themselves, which I always think is a good thing, but almost too much because we we praise Stephen Rochford all the time for taking each game as it comes and playing for that team. So I would like to see Mickey Hart sit down during the week and think about what will Kildare do 
at yeah. Newbridge and how yeah. can we adapt The only problem that? with doing that is that you're, I suppose you, you have to have a base philosophy as well and if you're yeah. constantly mixing it up for, for every team that you're playing against, no, that's fair, yeah. well then like, you're kind of moving away from the style of play that you want to play in the first place. You know, I, I think that happened with Mayo a lot that like uh, Mayo and Rochford were brilliant against in one-off games against big teams but then we probably struggled against the Leicester teams because it was up to us to kind of dictate it as opposed to, you know, mm. mix up to kind of suit the opposition. Yeah. So that's the only thing. So that's what I think. That's why I think that Tyrone might just go back to what they know, especially against a team like Kildare. While it'll be hard to get through them, um, it'll be hard to get through them in a tight pitch like Newbridge. Kildare coming with a bit of momentum. And I would say that like Tyrone would have thought last year that there was a few teams that playing the way they play they're just not going to be good enough for them. I was thinking of Roscommon last year, Cork, who were at a, in a very bad way last year, so they probably don't count. But I would say that they probably see Kildare on that level as well and think they can, yeah. they can beat them using what doing yeah. what they know. Yeah, and plus, uh, Mickey Hart will have seen the Leinster final. He'll know Adam Terrell is shooting the lights out. Neil Flynn got eight the last day and Ben McCormick was brilliant against Dublin. Yeah. So I'd say yeah. we're fairly sure actually Tyrone <laughs> are going to... Jimmy like, Highland kicked three points. He, he came on and kicked, yeah. he came on for uh, Healy and kicked three points. So he's been struggling to get a bit of form going, Jimmy Highland, but he's a very good player. I'm not sure where he gets into that full forward line now with Flynn McCormick. Maybe McCormick might go out uh, number 11 if he's in there. But they've got a lot of attacking players in that forward line mm-hmm. now. And they have a midfield with Conway and Feely who are a match for anybody. Um, as well but look I, I think I'm, you'd, you'd fancy Tyrone strongly in this one even though Kildare are very good in Newbridge and Tyrone will be very nervous about this one but you'd slightly favour Tyrone right? If, if Kildare were at the pitch they were at last year and they're not I, I, I might fancy them to, to kind of pose a shock or Oh yeah shock, if Kildare had uh, Daniel, Daniel Flynn. Flynn and Paul Cribben Paul which Cribben, is a bigger yeah. one like I mean they're two that can't and they, if your man Flynn the wing back is gone as well who's a very good attacking uh, wing back he's injured too mm. they're three huge players you yeah. know what I mean and, and Mulek seems to be out of it this year and Conway has gone into midfield you know, which is fine, but I, I'd give Kildare a real chance of beating Tyrone if they had their full team, you yeah, know, because they're such as. important players. But with this team, just yeah. let yeah. go with Tyrone. I'd, I'd still be back in Tyrone even with Kildare's full team. Just Tyrone have been so consistent. I don't think they even get enough credit for that. They had a couple of blips in Ulster, but they've been getting the semi finals and the final re- regularly over the last four years. So I expect to see them there again this year as well. Yeah, exactly. Okay, good stuff. Westmead and Clare, lads. This is in Cusick Park at six o'clock. Westmead, incredibly, for as far as I'm concerned, are favourites in this one. Clare eleven to eight outsiders, which I think is the bet of the weekend. If you're that way, that way inclined, I can't see how Westmead are going to be able to handle Gary Brennan in midfield. I can't see how they're going to manage Owen Cleary, Jamie Malone, uh, uh, Tuberty up front. I think. Uh, Clare are on a higher level to Westmead and just home advantage Heslin's not even starting for Westmead I don't know what's going on with him they say he's injured his body language John Heslin's body language is never brilliant he's that kind of relaxed you know style of player but it's even worse than I've ever seen it this year like against Leash he was walking around the field and it Mm. just looked like he came back late into the squad I don't know. I was incredibly unimpressed with Westmead against Leash that day. Oh God, they were a poor team. Poor team playing very, very old-fashioned tactics and couldn't even change out of them playing with a gale force wind. Like I wouldn't, like, and they've been, I think they were unimpressive against Limerick at the weekend as well. Clare very impressive away to Leitrim. I see Clare just being, being, uh, been too good for them and what against Lisa just was drop bodies back and dropping everybody back except for two men isolated in the full forward line no link man no nothing running slow build up they'll win the ball back 
instead of attacking at pace, they'll hand pass it backwards. Then Leash will be drifting back with the slow attack and then they face Leash all back at the other end. And this was... Now, Leash were no better. This mm. was... Now, Leash... When Leash had the wind, they tried to move it down pretty fast. Mm. Westmead never tried to move it down fast. Leash were so comfortable against... Uh, they allowed Leash dominate possession when they had a strong wind. They didn't even push out on them until the very late stages of the game. Now, unless they've learned from those mistakes... And they've brought these tactics on because we know um, their manager has been in with Rory uh, Gallagher's backroom team. So that's his philosophy. Mm. Pascal Kelleghan's their coach and that wouldn't necessarily be his philosophy. But at the same time, coaches just come in and carry out what the manager wants. Do you know what I mean? And we know that the modern game does end up with 13 behind the ball. But Westmead end up with 13 men behind the ball all the time. You know what I mean? You don't get those... um, you don't get those one-on-ones against them. And then you don't get the best out of Kieran Merton or Egan. Kieran Merton or, or Egan yeah. or Heslin, which is yeah. completely stupid because for me, Westmead, I think they're strong. O'Toole is a good player. Egan's very, very good. You have um, you have Martin and you have Heslin. That's a match. That's a division 2-4 if you want to leave them up front. And like that has to be done. You have yeah. to be getting the best out of them. Yeah, well... I'm going to go with Clare in this because you've made a good case, Willie, against Westmead, but also just uh, Clare seem to sort of gotten themselves to this level. You're saying they're a level above Westmead. I think they're very comfortable now being a level above a lot of these teams. Yeah. And I think their attack know that too. Like, you know, they're a razor sharp attack. Every time you see them, we only get to see a lot of the time just highlights on Sunday game. But it's just players who are burning defenders, and you don't get to see that a lot with other teams. There's a lot of good footballers around there. Uh, Jamie Malone is like, J- like Jamie Malone's a throwback to you know Michael Donlan coming mm. late yeah. onto a play and bursting through and scoring goals. Like he's scoring one two regularly. He's just an exciting, brilliant player, yeah. and there's no hand mm. passing over the bar with this fella. <laughs> this fella's rattling the net if he gets in, and that's it. He's an exciting, brilliant player. Own Cleary. Started as a number 13, now he's now he's playing as a number 11 and he's shooting the lights out, a beautiful left foot on him. I think Clare are still, and obviously Brennan O'Connor in midfield are um, incredibly uh, uh, strong. They've, uh, Gordon Kelly, who David Clifford said is the hardest lad he's marked. Yeah. <clears throat> like who's a dog of a cornerback now, who's a centre-back all the time, but he's pushed on in years and now he's a dog of a cornerback. Like they, they, They're very underrated still, Clare, even though they've yeah. been hanging around a long time. They've had the bad luck of always playing Kerry in a semi-final and Kerry will wipe the floor with any Division 2 team. Wipe the floor with them if they want. So I wouldn't hold that against Clare and they actually didn't wipe the floor with yeah, them this year in Ennis. They, they really brought it up, uh, Clare really brought it up to Kerry actually in Ennis, as you said. But Clare have been a really good qualifier team. Like uh, a couple of years ago, Clare could easily have beaten Mayo. That was the year that Mayo got to the All-Ireland final. That was a very good game down they in Ennis. Beat Roscommon, I think, didn't they? After Roscommon lost yeah, the Connacht yeah. final, they just about lost to Armagh. They last hammered Leash that year in that yeah, qualifier. In controversial circumstances. So, like, like Clare really, like, as you said, they've reached a level and they're comfortable at that level. I don't, I don't know what Leash have, or Westmead have done to deserve favouritism here, to be honest. I'd it's be the on- Dunn stores behind one goal <laughs> and the apartments behind yeah. the other goal, and you don't know where you're shooting yeah, from. I, I'm going for Clare all day for this one. Yeah, yeah okay, right. Leash Offley last one, lads. Leash are 4 to 9, Offley 9 to 4. Um, Offaly are very overpriced for me on this one I see this as a 50-50 game because of the local derby the huge rivalry between the two counties and the fact that there's not a huge amount between the two of them on the field I'd see Leash being slightly better than Offaly but that slight um, advantage they have will be completely levelled off because it's a complete and utter local derby where the two counties would be huge rivals and would there wouldn't be liked on the border, uh, you know, on the on the border towns, and for that reason, I think Leash are a very bad price and Offaly are a very good price. Um, it'll be interesting to see. It was two twelve to fifteen points in the league, 
Um, Leash used the long ball tactic when they had the wind in the second half. Remember that point or the goal from Evan yeah, O'Carroll yeah. that we were talking about? And Offaly going to give you them. Offaly are playing a traditional brand of football and they have forwards that are going that could easily hurt Leash. Like your man um, Horan from Kilmco Croaks scored 1-1 the last day. He's a very good player. Anton O'Sullivan, centre half forward. You have Bernard Allen, you have Niall McNamee who's flying it inside. Leash will be very wor- worried about Allen and Niall McNamee and they get it into them. This will be a brilliant game at a lower level between two footballing teams and the thing tactically with Leash is Leash know what they're coming up against against Offaly and Leash will use their kicking game because that's Leash, that's the game Sugru likes. It'll be interesting where they play Donny Kingston. He came back the last day. He was centre half forward. I'd have him back in full forward based on the team we're going to be playing where you're not mm. going to have like um, a sweeper doubling up too much. I'd have him in there with Evan O'Carroll. I won't even entertain the fact that they can't play together. And I'd have uh, Colin Murphy playing out in front of the two of them. That's the way I would go with it. I'd go with Paul Kingston at centre forward. But it'll be interesting to see how they line up. But this will be a classic, lads. And I'm raging. I'm going to be watching our man Mayo on the telly because <laughs> nobody on the podcast is going to want to hear about Lee Shoffley. <laughs> like, it's not terrible. That I'm really, I'd really be looking forward to this game and I can't I have to watch the other one. Even though it's not, it's not much to give out about. Yeah. It's not a bad one to watch either. You're in charge, Willie. We can go to that game if you want and we'll, we'll talk about it. It's, a local, it's really a, a local uh, radio podcast. After, after you beat... Derry in one big, I have to, I have to believe that you're going to beat Offaly and, and do something now with this opportunity you've been given. Um, but surely as well, there's going to be a lot of confidence now. I saw the celebrations after the game against Derry, going away, big trip like that, traditional county, you know, and coming back with a big yeah. victory. Both teams were terrible. Brendan Devaney texts me after the game and he says, two sheet." Two shit teams leash slightly less shit. <laughs> well, now, I, went, I just went back. Very good analysis. Thank yeah. you. Well, I'm going to back them to be less shit than often. <laughs> Not that you mentioned the Mahan factor here, John Mahan. Yeah. You're talking about confidence. Talk about a man to instill yeah. confidence. But, but in he's team. doing like, that with oh, them. 100. Yeah. Like I haven't seen much of Offaly, but everything I've heard about Offaly has been brilliant. And I'm, I don't know how much John Mahan has to do with it, but like he is some man, especially in his first year in charge of a yeah. team to instill confidence. He's playing real traditional football. Um, yeah, nine to four looks a bit long for Offaly. Just uh, this is important, Leash, right? Yeah, I think Leash will shade it because it's important. Leash just about, but uh, I, I agree. I think this be this be a great game. Yeah, I think Garrett Dillon will probably pick up Niall McEntee. He's been Leash's go-to uh, man marker. I was saying on the podcast, Dennis Boot was taken off at half time the last day because he. Um, he was on a yellow card, which was interesting. I'm not sure he who he could pick up McNamee, but I think that would be a mistake. You'd say Atride might pick up Bernard Allen um, in the corner. I hope he's improved from the clean and Conlon gave him in Croke Park. So he's Leash's captain. He was only back from injury that day, so um, he'll have he'll have improved for that. I see midfield uh, breaking even four big men, um, and that's it. There's, there's going to be nothing in it. Both 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 forward lines. It's a game. Both forward lines are just going to enjoy. It's going to be another good game. Be like Mayo and um, Armagh. So we're yeah, we're all going for Leash to sneak it. Going for Leash just like, yeah. Well, one of the, one of them's going to be in round four of qualifiers. Like that is a hell of a chance for them though. Yeah. Well, if Leash win this, they'll have gotten to the same stage as last year, which is one win away from the Super Eights. Which, like I think, for a team that Sukru took over in Division Four. They're two very good, two very good years, you know. And if Leash could get maybe Cork or Cavan, you'd say you'd give them a fighting, a puncher's chance of maybe getting into the Super Eights, which I think could be a, a poison chalice. But anyways, we won't worry about that. We have to get over Offaly um, first. We can't start looking ahead of this game. No, no. Can't give those Offaly lads any sort of blood. They'll sense the blood and they'll be out for it. Um, right, lads, we'll leave it there. Um, we'll be back with Damien from Paddy Power. 
Damien from Paddy Power, how's it going? Not too bad, Colin. Okay, we're going to start with my accumulator. If anyone still has faith in me um, with these accumulators, let us know what, what I've gone for this week. This week, yeah, you've gone for the four football matches, Tyrone, Leash, Clare and Mayo. So the three favourites and Clare instead of Westmead. And we're going was 6-1 to one, and now it's 8-1. to one. So, yeah, the three, the three teams that are favourites and then Clare, Westmead, which is probably a fairly 50-50 game. You've just gone for Clare, so... Hopefully this week might be the week. Yeah, Clare are eight to, or eleven to eight outsiders, which I thought was uh, an interesting enough price. Yeah, I suppose it's kind of we think we'd probably think the teams are pr- fairly close together, and Westmead just haven't having home advantage. It probably give them the slight uh, slight advantage. So we just have Westmead slight favourites, but it's a very close game, and you can see you could see either side coming out of that. Yeah, definitely. So any other specials you want to let us know about before we go through the matches? Uh, just one I'll mention first, because I think I think if you look at the four games this weekend, I think they could all be pretty close. So we've 7-4 to four for any game to be a draw. So I think that'll give you a bit of an interest across the four matches. And I think, I think yeah, I'd be, I'd be surprised if we didn't get a draw this weekend. I think all the games look pretty close. So 7-4 is a decent price. That is, yeah. That's yeah. a good one. That's yeah. definitely a good one. I think Lee Shoffley could be. I think Westmead Clare could potentially be. Yeah. Um, not sure about the the other two, but yeah, that's definitely interesting. Well, where will we start? Mayo or Ma? Say Mayo or Ma? I suppose we'll start. We we'll always have to start with Mayo. Uh, yeah. Um. So we're four to eleven Mayo and um, three to one Armagh, fifteen to the draw. Has that changed since Dermot O'Connor has been ruled out? Did you see that news? Uh, yeah, that'll that might might change the price a little bit, but I think I think Mayo at home were kind of happy enough that they'll be that they're, they're short enough favourites. Um, I think I think could be a very high scoring game. I would give Armagh an outside chance. Like I think Mayo probably still don't look fully wound up. They gave they gave down a lot of goal chances last weekend, and we're five to six on both teams to score a goal in the match. And I think that could be a decent bet. And another one I'd pick out just a bigger price is I think me Mayo still look pretty vulnerable if teams are running at them. So I think Charlotte Ogburn's coming through from midfield. He's 22 to 1 for first goal score and 15 to 2 for any time goal score. So I think that has a pretty decent chance. Yeah, no, definitely. The way they, they followed their men into midfield, like we were talking about there in the analysis against yeah. Ross Common, Jared yeah. Oak could run a muck all right. Yeah, yeah. and Quayle Mooney, who's a similar enough player, got he got a goal and he got another very good chance last weekend. So we'll see. He got a lot of joy. Right, Kildare Tyrone, what are we looking at here? Kildare, listen, it's similar enough pricing, isn't it? Yeah, to it's the other one? 5 to 2 Kildare, just a little bit shorter. Uh, 15 to a draw and 4 to 9 Tyrone. Um, I suppose why there'd be a bit of interest in Colin McShane for a goal scorer. I'd assume this weekend after he got two goals last weekend, and he does seem to be just staying in around the full forward line. They maybe Tyrone changed the way they play a bit last week, but they still seem to get tr- be looking to get Colin McShane into the game. So he's eleven to two for a goal scorer. Um, in terms of the game, I think Tyrone will probably just get out of there. I think it could be pretty tight. Um, one bet I kind of like maybe is Kildare to be leading at half time and Tyrone to win at four to one. So yeah, I think it'll be pretty tight, but I think Tyrone might just get out of there with the win. Yeah, exactly. What's the handicap in that one as a matter uh, of interest? It's a three point handicap. Right. Okay. Kildare plus three might not be the worst one in a in the tight field there yeah. in in uh, in Newbridge. Westmead Clare. What are we looking at here? Uh, yeah. Um, I think as we said earlier, it will be very tight. Um, I would give Clare a good chance. One one kind of thing that catches my eye a bit is Clare. I do think have a pretty good goal threat. So Clare to get over one and a half goals is nine to four, 
And one of the main players in that goal thread is Jamie Malone. He's a very good player, very good, very good runner with the ball. And if he gets through, he will go for goal. So he's 10 to 3 to score a goal. So that's something else that I'd maybe look at. Jamie Malone doesn't hand pass the ball over the bar. No, like he does that. No. <laughs> he definitely <laughs> doesn't. Okay, and Lee Shoffley then. I think Lee, yeah, I think I see this as a pretty 50 50 game. Awfully aren't bad. There's a real yeah. local rivalry here. So I think Leash will just about shade this, but Offaly are a very good bet at 9 to 4. Yeah, I, I, I can kind of agree with you. I think like. I think people maybe underrating Offaly a little bit on kind of previous year's form. They seem to have everyone this year. They seem to have all the players that they'd want to have. And a very kind of consistent lineup. They've kind of picked the same for every game. Yeah. So I think it will be pretty tight. Again, as you're saying, maybe Leash just get out of there. So Leash by one to three points is 11 to four. And as it's a local derby as well, one you'd maybe pick out is there's five to four for a red card to be shown. And in local derbies, that can always happen. So... Yeah, they'd be probably the two I'd pick out there. Yeah. All right, great stuff, Damien. Right, that's all we've time for. We'll be back on Monday with a review show as usual and we'll talk to you then. Good luck. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. Money back as a free bet if you're losing first goal scorer gets a goal. See paddypower.com for terms. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both players have, have spoken with each other and... Uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other, and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a f- shell shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f- houses for f- 10 years. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.